Pastor made me promise to be done by 10 o'clock a.m. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We'll be done by, we'll be done by 10, 10 a.m., amen? We'll be done by then. We'll probably be done by 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. So if you listen quick, I'll be done quick. Uh, I don't have a long message. And whenever a missionary says that, you're like, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I, uh, pastor sent me a text today and he said, hey, you know, where are you guys going today? And we, I had opened up our schedule for, from basically from last Sunday on because I didn't know when the baby's coming. So I almost thought that our meeting on Sunday was going to get canceled because our zoo started to feel like, oh, you know, maybe the baby's coming on Friday, but things calmed down. So, so far we're calm and, and we're thankful to be able to be here. But when Pastor uh, Messmer said, hey, you know, would you consider preaching tonight? Would you like to preach tonight? I said, sure. The Lord laid this passage on my heart in Revelation chapter number three, talking about the church of Laodicea. Uh, and if you would mind, if you'll right, be all right to stand in uh, honor of reading God's Word, beginning in verse number 14, and I'll read 14 through 22, and then we'll pray, you may be seated. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for the love for you and the love for missions and missionaries. Thank you, God, for their service to you. And God, I pray you'd bless this evening. I pray you'd bless our time together in the Word. I pray you'd fill me with your Spirit. Help me to say only the things that are pleasing to you. I pray that I would be a blessing, that you'd use me to be a blessing. And God, that you'd speak to my heart and every person here. Please speak to our hearts about the importance of this passage here and open our eyes to see what you'd have us to see from your Word. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done will continually do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the day in which we live, there's something paramount that we need to establish in our hearts, and that's nothing comes before Jesus. There's nothing more important than Him. We can never forget that. And we're often reminded of it, and the Holy Spirit reminds us of that. But we need to remember, nothing is more important of Jesus. In this passage we just read... We read about a church that was inhospitable to the Lord Jesus. It's really a, a passage about, with a theme of hospitality. A church, how is it welcoming to Jesus, or whether or not it is, it is a welcoming or respectful church for the Lord. Now, did you know that there are churches where Jesus does not feel welcome? There are Christian homes where Jesus would not feel welcome. There are lives, Christian lives, faithful to church, Christian lives, where Jesus would not feel welcome. That's possible to be faithful to church. It's possible to be a church filled with people who are faithful to go to church and to sing hymns and to read the Bible and do all these different things, 
But it's also possible to be that kind of church that is also unwelcoming. How can that be? How can it be that we could be unwelcoming to our Lord Jesus to where he would look at us and say, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. (laughs) How could that be? What happened to the church of Laodicea? How did they get to the point of being unwelcoming? I'd like us to notice, first of all, the one with whom we have to do, an offended master, verses 14 through 16. Jesus gives them a reminding address in verse number 14. He says, unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. It's interesting that each of the churches here in, in Asia Minor, whenever Jesus addressed them, he first of all stated who he was and gave an aspect of who he was or, or referring to his character. We need to never forget who Jesus is. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we ever forget who he is, we forget his place, his position, his priority, and his preeminence, we can lose sight of what we ought to be doing and how we ought to be treating him. This was a church that wasn't treating him right. So he starts off by saying, I want to tell you who I am. I am the amen. Now he's Hearkening back to a verse in Isaiah, chapter number 65, you'd open there, Isaiah 65, verse number 16, notice this, it says, that he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth, and he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten, because they are hid from mine eyes. Now in the Hebrew, the word truth is amen. In other words, it says, he that sweareth, uh, uh, that he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. Amen, as it would literally be uh, from the Hebrew. Amen meaning the truth. So Jesus is saying, I'm that same God. I'm the amen. I am the truth. And he explains himself in the next part. He says, I'm the amen. And if you didn't understand what I meant, I'm the true and faithful witness. Jesus says that. No, he is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So first of all, he says, by the way, I'm God. Church, in case you haven't forgotten, I'm God. <laughs> you don't forget that. And I am the faithful and true witness. Church, let's, let me show you who I am so you understand who you are. I am true. You're not. I'm faithful. You haven't been. You need to be reminded of me. I am the true and faithful witness. And I'm thankful that we have a God who is a true and faithful witness about us. He's going to tell us the truth about who we are. And when we go astray, Jesus says, whoever I love, I chasten. And he's going to correct us. He's going to show us the error of our ways. That's what a loving God does. And we have a loving God who is willing to remind us of our errors. Jesus is, the true, is true to his word. Jesus is the word of truth. And Jesus is faithful to tell us the truth. He reminds us that he's the beginning of the creation of God. Some people misunderstand that. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses want to use that to say, see, look, God started creating by creating Jesus. No, that's not what it means. It's just like saying Steve Jobs was the beginning of Apple. Okay, did Apple start Steve Jobs? (laughs) No, Steve Jobs started Apple, right? Or Henry Ford is the beginning of the Ford Motor Company. He started it. The origin is Christ. The origin of all creation is Christ. He is the all-powerful creator. We're reminded of his power. He's God, he's true, and he's all-powerful. Church, this church here, the Laodicean church, had forgotten that. They'd forgotten who he was. They were ignoring who he was, and they weren't respecting him for who he was. We can treat Jesus like he's a nobody. That's what this church was doing. The church's attitude had gotten 
so uh, complacent in the world and so uh, uh, pleased with themselves that they no longer treated him as a welcome person. Now let's look at the reason for the offense in verse number 15. We see an offended Savior. Verse number 15, we see the reason for the offense. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. Sometimes we can understand this to mean that, well, Jesus wishes we were cold. Either You know, pick a side. We think that's what it means. But that's not really what it means here. It doesn't mean pick a side. It doesn't mean cold. In other words, be cold towards Jesus. I'd rather you were cold. Would Jesus rather we were cold towards him in a sense? No, he doesn't. That's not what he means at all. He's saying, he's referring to their hospitality here. And the theme we see here is hospitality. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice. In other words, he's excluded from the church. He's explaining the reason for his offense. The works that they had been doing were lukewarm. Now, what does that mean? In ancient Roman culture... When someone would be welcomed to a house, it was traditional to give someone a hot beverage or a cold beverage. A hot beverage or a cold beverage. So you walk in, someone gives you a nice cold water or a hot cup of tea, if we could use colloquial terms. And Jesus said, you're neither. I'm not welcomed where I'm going. You're not cold, you're not hot. On a hot day, I come in, I don't get a cold drink. On a cold day, I come in, I don't get a warm drink. This church is lukewarm. It's worse It's not a welcoming church. And in Roman culture, if you welcome someone with a lukewarm cup of water, oh, you know, I'm going to go to the garage and get a a can of A&W that's been sitting in 106 degrees. Here you go. Welcome. That's gross. Who wants that? You ever drunk a a can of hot or warm pop? Soda, if that's what you say. For me, it's pop. I'm from Minnesota. Amen. That's real English. Um, (laughs) So you, you, you don't want that. Nobody wants that. Anybody here like lukewarm coffee? I'll drink coffee however. I don't care. Hot, cold, frozen. It doesn't matter. It's all good. But Jesus is saying, look, in in that culture, in Rome, he's speaking to people in a Roman culture, the Greco-Roman world. To them, they would understand this. If you welcome someone with lukewarm, that was offensive. It was considered an offense to go to someone's house and be welcomed with, uh, with lukewarm water. What did that say? It means no preparation for his coming. It means we don't care about you. It means that, you know, we'll just give him lukewarm water. We're not going to make an effort to do anything that he prefers or would like or feel welcome to. We're going to do whatever is convenient for us. It's not convenient to prepare a nice drink for him. It's not convenient to do that. We're just going to give you whatever is sitting around. Welcome, (laughs) here's a cup of lukewarm water. So Jesus is describing a church whose works represented that, a church that was lukewarm. Their works communicated a disinterest for Christ. Their works communicated a different priority. Their works did not have Christ in mind. And their works were devoid of an intent for Christ. Their works were not worthy of their master. Their works showed a lack of faithfulness and devotion to their master. Their works communicated that the church would rather exclude Jesus than include him. So that's the attitude of this church. Their works. Jesus feels welcomed by the works of the church. What is the church doing? Later on, we're going to see why. They were in that state. Why Jesus didn't feel welcome at the church? Why would Jesus, how would Jesus feel excluded from a church? 
Were these people saved? Yeah, because he says, I love you, and I'm rebuking you, and I'm chasing you. God would receive, every son uh, the Lord receives rebukes. Hebrews tells us that. This is sa- these are saved people. These people uh, uh, believe the Bible. They probably preached the gospel. But Jesus told the church, I'm not welcome there. You have made me unwelcome by your actions. I'm not included in what you're doing. You're excluding me. So how did that happen? And we'll see in a moment. Now, because of their attitude and what they've been doing, Jesus was repulsed. He was disgusted by the church. You want to disgust Christ? You want to make him disgusted by what, he, what, by what we're doing? We never want that. We don't want to dis- be disgusting to Christ. But Jesus finds a church like this disgusting. They believe the truth. That's great. But they were still disgusting to him. What they were doing was so repulsive. Jesus said, I want to spit you out, verse number 16. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Anybody here drink mineral water? Like bubbly water? There's nothing worse than lukewarm bubbly water. I mean, normal water is bad, but if you ever had lukewarm bubbly water, yuck. You ever picked up water you thought was nice and cold, you drank it was nasty? Well, that's Jesus' reaction here. Yuck. Very visual. I'm going to spit you out. It's like, wow. Man. Jesus being, it's an intense message. It's an important one. Jesus was not greeted with a good reception at this church. Our works are what we present to him. The church had had nothing that said, Jesus, we love you. We're happy to have you. Rather, the works said, Jesus, we don't want you. And he was disgusted by their deeds. Now let's notice the offending church. Verse number 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Jesus was concerned for them. He was concerned for their spiritual state. He was concerned about their attitudes. They weren't. They didn't even see it. They didn't even understand. They didn't even realize that they had gotten that point. How did they get to that point? How did these works exclude Jesus? It's very simple, and this verse explains it. When they acted as if they did not need him, when they worked, they removed their reliance on Jesus and replaced it with self-reliance. This was not complacency, but a flat-out rejection of their very need for the Lord and what they were doing. They were trying to serve God collectively as a church, not in God's interests, but in their own interests. Because they said, we're filled with all these goods. Their interest was material gain. Their interest was wealth. Their their interest was well-being. Their interest was all this stuff. Stuff. They were consumed with stuff. Laodicea was the wealthiest church of all the seven. Very well-to-do. It was filled with bankers, and they had all sorts of good things going on there. It was a beautiful city. It was a wealthy city. The people had access to good jobs and comfortable life and probably these members had nice houses and everything was going well for them and they had good health care and a nice place to live and job security. Everything was going good. And that's a danger zone for us when everything's going good. And I've noticed something interesting in the West that's crept into, the, into Africa and all over the world. It's this health and wealth prosperity nonsense. That preaches a false gospel. Preaches a false Christ and a false God. Really. They turn God into some genie that if you please him right, he'll give you everything you want. That's nothing more than idolatry. It's not God's purpose. 
God's not there just to satisfy every whim that I have. God does love me. He, he cares about me. He cares about my needs, my health, and everything. He cares about me. He does. He loves me. But God's not there to satisfy every whim that I have, every want that I would have. This church, we notice, equated spiritual well-being with being well-off materially. So if I'm well-off materially, God must be happy with me. That's wrong thinking. That's wrong thinking. If I'm blessed materially, I'm on God's good side. And we can think that, and I've thought that. I've thought at times that, you know, everything's going good. I must be right with God. Hold on a minute. Don't equate your physical well-being with your spiritual well-being. They're not the same. Yes, God does bless. Thank God, praise God. We should. But that does not equate to being right spiritually. It does not always. Yes, God does send trials. Yes, we do go through trials. But God doesn't always send trials because we did wrong. Look at Job. Trials can happen to people living more righteous than anyone else. So don't equate your well-offness as being blessed. We call ourselves a blessed nation, America. We have been, but I want to tell you right now, there's no country more wicked than the United States of America. We export sin like nothing else. We've been blessed, but now we're spitting in God's face, saying, ha, I can do it on my own. Well, she's only going to do that for so long until God starts to step in and intervene. God's going to do that to the whole earth, by the way. The whole world's like that. Sin is everywhere. And we think that because we're well off, we're, you know, God bless America. We, I, I, I say that. I love America. It's my home country. But she's wicked. She's wrong. She needs to get right. She needs to be saved. That's the truth. We pray God bless America. We should pray that God would bless America with more preachers and more church planners and more people getting saved. That would be a great blessing. But don't look at the direction that America's going financially and think, well, you know, if we're blessed financially, we're just good with God. No, 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 no. And I think that the church at Laodicea, being the most well-off, and this happens in well-off countries, and that's where this false prosperity gospel came from. It didn't come from poor countries. It came from rich countries. Hey, we've got it made. You know, we must be really pleasing to God. Our faith is just great. I think, I think, from my understanding of this text, this is what was wrong with the Laodicean church because they no longer saw their spiritual needs because they were so full of their physical needs. They thought that they didn't need God anymore. They were so full of everything they had, they no longer needed God. So a church that was not reliant on Christ, reliant solely on themselves, is when they were lukewarm. My brother, when you decide that you are going to be so self-sufficient you don't need God, you're lukewarm. When you decide, fathers, that you can lead your families without prayer and the word, you're lukewarm. When you decide, mothers, that you can raise your children without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're lukewarm. Sunday school teachers, when you decide that you don't need to prepare like you used to, when you decide you don't need to pray for your class and decide you don't need to rely on Christ, you decide that you don't need that personal fellowship with God like you did before because you have some experience, because you know what you're doing, you're lukewarm. In this church didn't need Christ anymore. We've got it, Lord. We've gotten to a place of maturity where we think that we can just do it all ourselves. That was the error of this church. They, Jesus was excluded 
from that church because in what they did, they had excluded him. Jesus, we don't need you for this. Well, we can handle this one, Lord. We've got the finances. We're a blessed church. We don't really need to pray for this need. We're just going to do it ourselves. We have the resources, Lord, so we're not really going to go to you and ask you if this was what we should do. We just feel like it's what we should do, so we're going to do it without asking the Lord if that's what he really wanted them to do because it was in their interests. So this is a church that was led by financial blessing, by being well off to the point where they no longer saw their need. And by the way, if you no longer see your need, how are you supposed to see the need of the lost? How are you supposed to see the need of the world around you? They were completely blind to everything that had happened. Whatever position you are in, whatever, soul, uh, whatever you be, soul winner, soul winner, song leader, pastor, whatever, uh, whenever, when the moment you begin to think that what God is doing is somehow happening because of us, rather than through us, we become lukewarm. It's an attitude that Jesus hates and despises, and it's nothing new. It's been around for a long time, since the first century. People relying on themselves. That's a sin. We try to do God's work in man's power. We're lukewarm. We can't be pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, so we can conclude this church was not a church of faith. Without me, you can do nothing. We can also conclude this was a prayerless church, a faithless, prayerless church reliant on themselves. We begin to be lukewarm when we attribute our success to programs and campaigns that we invent. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Sure, there are great tools that we have, but that doesn't build a church. It's God that builds the church. We begin to be lukewarm when we think that our material standing equates to spiritual standing. We begin to be lukewarm when we act indifferent to Christ. We're lukewarm when we act in our power and leave God out. We're lukewarm when we are satisfied with the physical to the detriment of the spiritual. The church could no longer see its own spiritual state. They were so satisfied with their material blessings that they no longer believed that they needed Jesus. That is the direction so many fake preachers have led us, and I've already gone into that. I got ahead of myself. I got to find my place in my notes. What will the uh, so through that preaching and through that teaching, what will that cause someone who is well off to think? Well, I have blessings. Things are going well. That must mean me and God are good. But is that but that is really demeaning to God, because now you think that God is only interested in how comfortable you are on this judged and condemned earth. Do we really think that this is God's primary concern? If anything, that can be more of a hindrance for our spiritual well-being. It can be, being well off. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with having a lot of nice stuff. There's no sin in that. But when we rely on our abilities and our strengths and our wealth, that's a danger point. And I think that this speaks clearly to America, the Laodiceans. Why? Because that's us. We are better off than anyone. America is richer than anywhere else I've ever been. I live in Eastern Europe. People make about 800 bucks a month. They try to live on that. They work day in and day out. Men and women both work in the home. You rarely find a place where the, just the husband works. Everybody works. Sometimes the kids got to get a job later. And, uh, and, and, and there's not a lot of uh, well-being there. There are other countries that are way poorer than us. We've been blessed by God. We have been. But we should never equate that with God's power and God's blessing. We have to realize that we are just as needy as anyone else. We really are. And this church, 
The honest truth was that Jesus wanted to point out to them, you're so well off, but you're more needy than any other church. When will you wake up and see that? Spiritual need. That's your true need. That's your biggest need is your spiritual need. Not where am I going to work? Or am I going to get a raise? Or our health? All those things. Those are all important. They are. Jesus says they're important. He tells us he's going to take care of it. Don't worry about that stuff. The flowers, they're clothed. The grass is clothed. Everything's it's good. God will take care of you. But our first need is our spiritual need as children of God. That's our primary need. And if our physical well-being is getting in the way of our spiritual well-being, we need to check our hearts and see where is our treasure. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Speaking of the heart, really. Do we treasure the things of this world? This church, what was their solution? Sell everything, give to the poor, and live in the street? No, it was repent. It was get right. Be zealous. You can be a wealthy church and serve God zealously. You can. He didn't demand that they all give everything away and no longer have physical blessing. Just don't equate that with the power of God and don't rely on that anymore. We'll see the offer of a solution, verse 22 to the end of the chapter. Sorry, verse 18 to the end of the chapter, because 22 is the end. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Buy gold, only that which is done in the power of Christ has any value for Christ. Without me, you can do nothing. The church had been poor regarding things of true value. They had invested in things of no eternal value because it was done in the flesh, done without the fellowship with Christ. White raiment often represents holiness and righteous living. The church had not recognized that as a result of not doing things of eternal value, that spiritually they were also poor and without raiment. This may have affected their sanctification. The eye salve represents a corrected spiritual vision. The church could not see its own spiritual deed. It could not see its own spiritual state. The church also would not have been able to see the needs of those around them. They would have been blind to their mission, blind to their master, blind to their priorities. And Jesus lovingly rebukes them, verse 19. Jesus commands the church to be zealous and commands the church to be passionate about the result, about the resolution. Repent, get right, and do so seriously. Be zealous, therefore. Repent. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. They were to have a zeal for the Lord. They were to have a zeal for what was good and right. Jesus gave them a solution. Now get serious about it. You haven't been serious about it before. I have a solution for you. Time to get busy, church. Time to get about what's right. It's me, by the way. That's what Jesus is saying. It's me. You need to get serious about me and pleasing me and doing what I want you to do. The church and its actions had collectively excluded Jesus. Let's look at verse 20. The call to renewed fellowship. Renewed individual fellowship. This is an important point. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He doesn't say if the church would hear my voice. He says if any man would hear my voice. Stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The church by its actions had collectively excluded Jesus and the church had set him outside. The church had been absent from the power of Christ. But if one person would hear his voice and would heed the call of Christ to renewed fellowship, 
he would come in and that relationship would be restored. And through individuals responding to Christ, the whole church would be restored. But it takes one person. You see, when we come to church, it's easy to to be complacent about our relationship with others because, you know, we come to church, we feel comfortable with those around us. And we can get used to the, you know, hey, brother, how you doing? And, and, and we, when people see us as being okay, we begin to view ourselves as being okay. We think, you know, all my brothers and sisters in Christ don't really see the sin in my life and they don't see my struggle with this in my life. I must be okay. Everything must be just fine and hunky-dory. But Jesus says, hey, I'm on the outside. I've been excluded. I'm knocking on the door. By the way, he never stops. He says, I stand at the door and knock. I've been out here the whole time. Church, Hello. If any man would hear my voice, you need to listen for him. What's the Lord telling you? What's he pointing at in your heart and in your life? And what you've been relying on? and Your priorities and your life with Christ. What is Jesus pointing out right now? Because he's calling, hello. If any man hear my voice. The Lord may convict you of something say, this is where it needs to change in you. Are you going to respond? Or we can choose to do what we often do. I'm going to wait till church is done. When the conviction ends and I go home, I'll be okay. What's we'll go on? Like we normally do because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Repentance can be uncomfortable. Getting right can be uncomfortable. Getting right with that brother or sister in church that you've had an argument with that hasn't been resolved can be uncomfortable. But sometimes we, because this is the, this is the problem. We don't realize that, that this comfort can help renew our relationship with the Lord, and that's wonderful. It's way more comfortable to be in good fellowship with the Lord than to be discomfortable under conviction week in, week out, and not having that thing resolved. If any man hear my voice, will you hear his voice tonight? Are you listening for his voice? Will you hear it, and will you renew your fellowship with him? The renewal of a church's broken fellowship begins with the renewed individual fellowship with Christ. The key to overcoming the world is Christ. In verse number 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. How is the church to overcome the word, the world? By hearing the voice of Christ, by renewed fellowship with Christ. He that overcometh. Overcome whatever lackadaisical state you've been in. Be zealous, repent, hear my voice, renewed fellowship. That's overcoming. That's the overcoming that he's speaking of. It's through his power. He that overcometh on his own? No. Through Christ, who made us more than conquerors. Amen? Jesus calls us all to this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Past, present, and future. That's for all of us. Every single one of us needs to hear this call from Revelation chapter number 3. We all need to understand that the church of Laodicea seemed like it was doing real well, but Jesus came and said, no, you're not. (laughs) I know the real state of your heart, and God knows the real state of your heart tonight. He knows whether or not you're saved. He knows whether or not you're right. He knows what thoughts you've been thinking, what lies you've been telling, all that stuff. He knows it. He knows what's been going on. You can't hide it from him. You can hide it from the pastor. You can hide it from your brother and sister in Christ. You can't hide it from the Lord. And the Lord desires renewed fellowship. Sometimes we, we just don't see it. We can, we can not see the fact that we're out of fellowship with the Lord. We can think we are, but we're not. We can think we're serving the Lord, but we're not. 
We can think we're right with the Lord, but we're not. And only the voice of Jesus can wake you up and say, listen, this is where you have gone wrong. You need to listen to my voice. Don't listen to all the other voices out there. Don't listen to just the voices of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to me first. Listen to me. It's okay if Betsy or Susie thinks you're okay, but I know how you are. And I love you. And I'm telling you, resolve and repent. And all of us need to be have our fellowship renewed with the Lord often. We all fall into sin. We all struggle. We're human. Jesus knows that. That's why he has rebukes in the Word of God to correct us, because they keep happening again and again and again for 2,000 years. Churches have been having the same problems. <laughs> There's no new problem at all anywhere. The same problems we have in America, guess what? They happen in Romania too. People are people everywhere. People are people in Minnesota, and people are people here in Washington State. It's all the same. We have the same Lord overall, who's rich unto all who call upon him. Listen to the Lord's voice tonight. And I invite you to hear the voice of Christ. Don't just think that you're okay. Examine your heart. Say, Lord, am I really? Am I, am I lukewarm? Let the Lord show it to you. And if you've been zealous and on fire for the Lord, continue. Love the Lord and keep on loving the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this message. And I thank you for the simplicity of this truth and how you love us and how you often correct us. And thank you, God, that you care about us enough to put your finger right on the point where it hurts. You show us exactly what needs to change. Sometimes, Lord, we can get so full of self-reliance in our being fathers or, or servant in church or whatever it is, we can be self-reliant. And when we do that, we don't even realize that we're excluding you from where we need you most. I pray that you'd help us to recognize the areas in our lives where we may be relying on ourselves rather than relying on God, especially where we need to be. Well, that's really every area, Lord. We need to rely on you. Lord, I pray you'd help us to see that. Lord, if there's someone here tonight who has had a testimony of being saved but has never trusted Christ, maybe has told everybody that they're saved but not, I pray you'd work in their heart tonight and convict them Show them, Lord, that it's not a baptism or it's not even telling others that you've been saved, but whether or not they've received you as their personal Savior and trusted you. Lord, perhaps there are people here tonight who've been struggling with materialism, have been consumed with the nice things of this world. America's a nice country and there's a lot of nice things here. Perhaps we've been consumed with the go here and go there, get this and get that. We forget what James said, if the Lord wills, I'll go here and I'll go there and get gain. Help us not to forget your will in all these things and to seek you first. In Jesus' name.